Hello again. Welcome to episode 35 of That So Second Millennium. So bear with me, dear listeners. For the next four episodes, you're actually going to be listening to me interviewing two of my old professors. The first two of these episodes are going to be with my de facto master's thesis advisor, Ann Hoffmeister, at Washington University in St. Louis. This episode comes with a bit of a disclaimer. Ann Hoffmeister is about as much of a rebel as you will find in science, and that's saying quite a bit. If I look at me rundown of the interview that I just conducted, uh, what does she, uh, she charges into the china shop and what does she break in this episode? Uh, well, we will criticize, well, thermal conductivity experiments. That's, that's low-hanging fruit. Um, she's going to criticize the whole, uh, basis of thermodynamics and its, its focus in terms of looking at reversible, uh, things near equilibrium. Um, she's going to have some choice words to say about that. Um, she's going to, I think possibly for me, the, no, that's not true. I'm, I'm not sure which is the bigger surprise. Uh, where she dismisses all of phonon theory altogether. Or where she talks about the Earth not convecting. At all. Well, that's not true. Uh, although it's close. Um, if you know anything about those fields, if you know anything about solid state physics, of course, you will be probably aghast at the, uh, what she says about phonons. If you uh, do any deep Earth geodynamics, you will be aghast at what she says about mantle convection, or the lack thereof and the the core. I'll let you see that all in detail, but, uh, you know, I'm just, just warning you, this is not, and this is also uh, a little bit of a departure for the podcast, in that I just wanted to talk to Anne about science, and I, I plan to do, continue to do something this, some of this in the future, and uh, Lord knows if uh, Bill runs into someone he wants to just talk to his science about, we'll do that too. Um, because, after all, that's, you know, the focus is that what truth from whatever source, or at least thought and criticism and logical analysis from whatever source is worth indulging in. And I was really just talking to uh, my old advisor and Welcome really enjoying it. That's so, so I'm just going to lay that out there. Podcast about science, so with that, philosophy, uh, reason, faith, let's take it away. and a whole bunch of other things. I'm very pleased today to bring you Dr. Ann Hoffmeister from Washington University in St. Louis. I'm glad to be here. I'm really grateful you agreed to give us this uh, interview. So, full disclosure, I was a graduate student working for Anne way back in the day, too long ago to uh, really admit out loud on the internet. But uh, I was working on garnet and the thermal conductivity of garnet. And that's uh, the thermal conductivity of minerals um, is one of the aspects of Anne's research. So, we're going to talk a bit today about geoscience, but we're also going to talk about astronomy, and uh, much bigger scale things than even just the Earth. Um, obviously, I work with Anne because I thought the in- research that she did was really interesting. So uh, I'd Thank like to try, <laughs> to try to bring that to a little bit of a wider audience here. So I wanted to start out with um, the, the heat transfer. So mm-hmm. well, actually, but let's start with actually a little bit about your career, you know, where you, how you got to be in an Earth science department, because uh, that wasn't exactly a straight road either. No, it wasn't at all. I started out in physics, mm-hmm. and uh, my interest was material science. Mm-hmm. And then 
when I was a grad student at Caltech, I was pushed toward Silicon Valley semiconductors and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it looked pretty boring to me. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so due to interest in the, of the natural world, I moved over to earth science mm -hmm. and then uh, learned, learned spectroscopy, how light interacts with matter. Yeah. Then moved to the geophysical lab and learned pressure techniques, which is geared to the Earth's interior. Mm -hmm. And uh, did you work mostly on diamond anvil cells? Yeah, I used diamond anvil cells and measuring spectra at high pressure. Mm -hmm. So spectra tell us a lot of things about about a material. It's how the energy, how light as energy interacts with, with matter. Mm -hmm. And so I spent several. Decade doing that, then. Okay. Then, um, when you were an undergrad, changed over to heat transfer mm -hmm. because that data was largely lacking in earth science or poor quality. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I focused on in the last sixteen. Got a, got a fancy instrument and focused on that for the last sixteen years. Yeah. And the book that's being printed this December is that is the summary and uh, expansion of all that work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're doing uh, basically a physics book about, what's the title, the measurements the and the mechanisms? Mechanisms and models, models of heat, heat transfer. transfer. No, it's, it yeah. is a physics book. Yeah. And there'll be a second volume coming out in another year on applications to the Earth and, and the rocky planets. Mm -hmm. So what was, you know, you can, obviously I... You've talked to me about it before, but you know, could spell out for the audience what uh, what was what was really kind of wrong with a lot of the data that we were using for things like uh, thermal conductivity of minerals at the turn of the century. At the turn of the century, well, uh, what was wrong is the data are measured at nearly steady state, mm -hmm. and that's not what heat transfer is about. Heat transfer is the process of going from one temperature to another. Yeah. So that's the basic thing that was wrong. And the other thing is they use thermocouples, yeah. so you lose heat at the contacts. Yeah. And a lot of the materials of interest to glasses, for example, material mm -hmm. science and earth science, let high energy light through. Mm -hmm. And the conventional measurements include that high energy light, which yeah. isn't being diffused. Right. And so the data are including things that are diffusing and things that are are jumping across yeah. the sample. Ballistic transport. Ballistic transport. Yeah. And uh, so, so the, the data are bad, and if the data are bad, the models are bad. <laughs> yeah, you can't. It's very hard to get a good model out of bad, bad data. data. <laughs> very, very hard. So, so the physics um, of heat transfer is not, not necessarily as straightforward as it might uh, sound. In no, the, the undergrad the, physics. Uh, no, the, the undergrad physics contains a lot of wrong things that I've I've tried to fix in my book, but the basic problem is that thermodynamics, heat transfer, study of atomic structure, and spectroscopy, all proceeded in, in mishmash. Yeah. It was different directions, and the discoveries didn't come in the right sequence. And then there were international conflicts. So the Brits and the Germans were big in, in thermodynamics, 
They ignored Fourier's model on heat transfer, Fourier's French. They ignored Maloney's contribution showing that heat and light are the same phenomenon. Maloney's an Italian. Oh, okay. So the two basic two basic concepts that underlie all heat transfer, heat, what we think is heat, what we feel with our hands, yeah. is the same phenomenon as light, which is what we sense with our eyes. Those are the same thing, and we know that. Yeah. But all the models for heat transfer ignore that. Right. And all of thermodynamics uses this equilibrium model and reversibility. Mm-hmm. That's not how heat behaves. No. Not at all. That's so, the whole point. so yeah. we have some very bad ideas, some misconceptions mm-hmm. that are still here. Yeah, yeah. They're convenient, and the equations are soluble. <laughs> but <laughs> but some of the things are wrong. So yeah. uh, the basic model of heat transport is the kinetic theory of ga- gas. Yeah. 1840s and even earlier, Bernoulli. Yeah. And that model assumes you have elastic collisions of the atoms. Yeah. The problem is temperature can't change if the collisions are elastic because right. energy is conserved. Right. So we that's the that's the basis of all models of heat transfer and it's wrong. Yeah. Simply wrong. Yeah. So I've proposed in the book that uh, the collisions are inelastic. Yeah. But not they very. Kind of have to be. Yeah. And so each time a pair of atoms collides, it generates a tiny bit of heat. And that's the black body radiation. Mm-hmm. So black body radiation permeates everything. If, 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 if uh, all the atoms in this room would fall to the floor if we turned off temperature. Right. Just fall to the floor. Yeah. Yeah, go to their ground state. And the reason they're still bouncing around is they're getting heat from our bodies and the walls of the room. Yeah. And whatever, the furnace stocks or whatever. Right. So so that explains several laws of thermodynamics. Yeah. So so the other thing I've done is taken what I learned about heat transfer, merge it with thermal, and correct the misconceptions there, correct the misconceptions in heat transfer, and then go on to look at the spectra, all the while tying it to what I measure in the lab. Right, right. Because you, I mean, your focus was infrared spectroscopy. Years ago. Years ago. Now it's measuring how heat directly moves through materials. Yeah. But no, science... Science is nothing without data. It, it's it's yeah. just it's just you might as well yeah. sit in the armchair and talk yeah. about water, air, right. earth, and fire. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> sit cross-legged on a mountaintop somewhere. And, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah. So, so we're um, so you talk especially when you're talking about atoms colliding with each other, but at a you know at a slightly more uh, systematic level we're talking about phonons phonons are nothing they don't even exist right and so yet. so what's happened in the solid is no different than in a gas yeah the atoms are colliding in their vibrations mm-hmm. and giving off light yeah so it's not phonons being scattered there's no it's it's, it's not scattering at all it's absorption re-emission of light infrared mm-hmm. light mm-hmm. infrared light when the temperatures are low, mm-hmm. then when you get to stellar temperatures, it's it's visible light. Mm-hmm. 
So oh. it's it's the same. It's the same heat transfers. The same phenomena everywhere. It just mm-hmm. the frequency. The higher and higher frequencies are more important. The higher and higher temperature is. Mm-hmm. So the uh, one of the papers you sent me to look at to prepare for this interview um, talked about you know electrons versus phonons and vibrations, atom vibrations, and the the different amounts of coupling between them, you know, the ability to transfer energy from one, one mm-hmm. to the other. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's probably the metals paper. It's the metals there's paper. Yeah. Them. There's two of them. So, yeah. so, uh, this goes back to making the right types of measurements. So if we want to understand heat, mm-hmm. it has to be a dynamic measurement. It has to depend on time. Mm-hmm. So Everett, Everett, Chris, my son and I went to the laboratory and re-measured the metals, realizing that the electrons are really, really fast. Yeah. So when that paper was written, I was still thinking in terms of phonon scattering. Okay. And trying to understand what's the, let's call it vibrational, what's the vibrational component versus the electronic. Yeah. And by measuring really fast times, short times, Mm -hmm. and long samples, I could see the signal to the electrons. And it's, it just blip. And then it goes away, mm-hmm. and you have the slower signal. Yeah. So uh, our data, we we collected data on I don't know, 20, 25 different metals. Yeah. Saw the signal in most of the metals. Any metal that had, any metal you could get the light, had to get the light in to excite the electrons. And the electrons have to have enough heat capacity to uptake the light. And then what the elect- the electrons go fast, they zoom across the sa- solid, mm-hmm. and then the vibrational transport occurs. But since everybody else measured these made measurements near equilibrium, they never saw the electrons. Mm-hmm. And so they mm-hmm. wrongly assign the main heat transport, mm-hmm. which is vibrations, to the electrons. Okay, yeah. I mean, because, yeah, again, speaking of things you hear in, you know, undergraduate physics, yeah. that that's, you know, yeah. that that's why metals have such high heat or heat, um, heat conductivities. They have high heat conductivity because they have high density and high heat capacity. Yeah, yeah. And they're simple structures. And they're so simple structures. Simple structures, so the vibrational heat goes pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you, if you alloy a metal, its thermal conductivity will go down fairly fast. Yeah, it does, and its response to temperature is much different than a, than a merely pure metal. Yeah. So, uh, in the book, we went back and looked at metals again and looked at the cryogenic data, mm-hmm. and it, it it it's described by by absorption and re-emission of light very well. The mm-hmm. data, the, the, that's the best agreement. They're the simplest thing, yeah. and I get good agreement with. My new model. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that uh, I mean, and of course, I remember from you know, the the work that I was doing with you way back when. You know, it was really actually looking at garnet, obviously a much more complicated oh, structure, yeah. still highly symmetric, but you know, all those different individual uh, sites within the structure mm-hmm. that are um, you know three different mm-hmm. types of cations that are all mm-hmm. in different environments, that sort of thing. But even then, when you are you know at least when you have, say, pure pyrope garnet, you know, pure magnesium on that large site, 
as opposed to when you start mixing in the solid solution with the iron or manganese or whatever else you want to fit on that site. Um, yeah, the thermal conductivity will drop really fast. Because you have a lot more absorptions. Yeah. The light gets absorbed yeah. in a much shorter distance. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, scattering off of those, you know, randomly distributed, yeah. you know, heteroatoms, so to speak. So to speak, I don't really use that terminology. But um, so that kind of, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about what that talks about because we are here in an earth science department. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and how that, I mean, I know you've done a lot of work and uh, collaborated with people on what the implications of this are for how the whole interior of the earth behaves, you know, mm -hmm. the whole earth's mantle. I've got one paper that's published looking at the rain number, mm -hmm. which is the only evidence we have for mantle convection is this mm -hmm. high rain number. Mm -hmm. But the rating number was actually derived for things like water and air. Right. So it doesn't include... In water and air, what viscosity is is mostly diffusion of momentum. Mm -hmm. The gas molecules, the light water molecules care, um, carry momentum and they move forward and they're not impeded. Mm -hmm. But viscosity in denser fluids, mm -hmm. silicon oil, yeah. the, mantle, the mantle, liquid metals. <laughs> the mantle whose viscosity is only, what, 10 to the 20th fluids well, or something. But the thing is, it's a different mechanism. Yeah. In a gas, viscosity is, is they're going forward. Bang, bang, go forward. They yeah. hit each other and they go forward. Yeah. In a heavy, a, a stiff liquid, mm -hmm. even the salt, honey, yeah. um, oil, motor oil. Motor oil, yeah. The main mechanism is drag. Yeah. So what viscosity represents there is impediment of motion, not promotion of motion. Right. So if you recast the rating number, realizing what viscosity actually means. Because mm -hmm. what all goes into the Rayleigh number? Viscosity, thermal conductivity, gravity, length yeah. scale. Yeah. So then you realize the Rayleigh number is only one criteria. The other criteria is... Is the material moving forward through viscous interactions or backwards? Is it retard? Is the motion retarded or promoted yeah. by viscosity? And when the motion's retarded, the Rayleigh number isn't valid. So the Rayleigh you. number is valid for water and, and air and, and things that are dense. It's yeah. not valid for for solid rock. The other way to think of it is. We learn in, as, as elementary students, three states of matter, right. gas, liquid, solid. And, solid. and the mantle is solid. The mantle, the mantle is not so, a liquid. The mantle is solid. Yeah. So what happens to solids when you heat them up? Just but keep heating them. What's going to happen? Eventually they melt. They melt. Yeah. So it's the same for the earth. If you heat the earth, heat a big bar of steel up, yeah. it doesn't start convecting. No. It'll melt. It'll melt. So yeah. that's what happened to the Earth, too. We, yeah. we don't have mantle convection. I don't yeah. believe that for a minute. Yeah. Instead, we have magmatism. You get hot enough and the melt comes off. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some surface motions. Yeah. But I, yeah. I don't know if we want to get into that. <laughs> Probably don't go, want to go all the way into that, yeah. But, uh, 
but the surface motions are different. There is something going on at Earth's surface. Yeah. I have a paper in review. We'll see when it gets rejected. Right. It's fussed over yeah. for not going with the standard. But right. the rating right. number is insufficient evidence of convection. So we have no, all we have is plate tectonics. Right. And 40, 50 years of mantle convection mm -hmm. hasn't provided a mechanism for plate tectonics. Right. And there's no thermal plumes. There's no evidence for thermal plumes. So, right. so the reason that's hung around is no one's come up with a better idea. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it is hard to beat something with nothing, even when that something has problems. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I think Bob and I. Bob, Chris, and I have a paper out in Terra Nova 2016 mm. where we calculated the conductive cooling profile for the Earth. Mm. And it's pretty reasonable, but one of the interesting things that suggests is that the core is melting, not freezing. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, the, the, what the model shows is the top part of the Earth heat is coming out. Yeah. But the bottom part of the Earth the heat's going down, and that goes back to our, our cold accretion, which was debated in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so for reasons I, I mean, yeah. it, it basically became hot accretion because people didn't account for energy of accretion going into spin. Mm -hmm. The basic assumption is all the energy of accretion goes into heat. Mm-hmm. And then, then our recent discovery is how fast stars spin. Okay. So a okay. big star, a star like our sun started out at a four-hour spin. Now it's a 30-day spin. 30-day yeah. spin. So it had a lot more rotational yeah. energy. Yeah, yeah. And, and all that energy had to go into, well, in that case, I mean. Friction, drag. Friction, so, and then that would be radiated as heat. Yeah. So yeah. then, 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 it, then it, it creates heat, but. There's no reason gravitational potential should convert to heat. It's got the wrong sign. Mm -hmm. Gravitational potential is negative. Mm -hmm. So uh, the astronomers realize that, and they think that the heat capacity of nebulas are negative. Okay. They're hydrogen gas. Hydrogen mm -hmm. gas does not have a negative heat capacity. It has positive. Yeah. So they use this wrong equation, came up with the wrong conclusion, and then think it's one think it's really exciting and new and interesting rather yeah. than oh maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we made a mistake. That is that is one of the great scientific uh, necessities is to be able to say, huh, that's so strange. Maybe I should check my work. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. There's now like six or eight questions in my head that are just sort of uh, littered, littered along the wayside because uh, you keep giving me, giving me something else to think about. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's to... what this research has been like. Is that yeah. when you make good measurements and mm -hmm. then it leads you in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's so to go back to the Earth and you know the the core melting. Let's mm -hmm. let's talk about that for a second because that's a a little uh, counterintuitive for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the, the distribution of radioactive elements in the Earth, so far as we know it, is that most of them are in the crust. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the hot stuff is in the crust. Yeah. Potassium wants to be in the crust. Uranium wants to be in the crust. Yeah, thorium all, wants to be all, in the crust. Yeah. That's been known for a while that if you yeah. look at, if you believe Earth was made from meteorites or a meteorite-like composition, yeah. the radioactivity is all accounted for in the crust, and it yeah. it just goes out to space. So yeah. there's nothing left to power the mantle. Yeah. And yeah. and definitely nothing left in the core. There's nothing nothing left in the so, so the, the crust is this heat generating blanket, and then the mantle is just this big insulator. Big insulator, yeah. maybe with a little radioactivity. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's it's mostly then the top part is cooling to space. The bottom part, because the heat can't get out, is warming up. Yeah. And melting the core. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's our that's our current idea. Mm -hmm. There's more to do there. There's always more to do. There's always more to do. Yeah. Um, so how would that, for example, what would that do to uh, <laughs> to your ability to calculate? I mean, what 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 does the problem of uh, the geodynamo, the magnetic field, look like? Well, the geodynamo is actually the same problem as mantle convection. Mm -hmm. They're assuming this mechanical thing is driven by thermal energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about the Stanley Steamer cars. Are they around? <laughs> they're not around anymore, no. Well, that's because... I think, I think most, Jay Leno has one. They're the most inefficient yeah. inefficient engines you can imagine. Yeah. So uh, mechanical motions generate heat. That That's yeah. the way it goes. So, yeah. Yeah. so uh, I don't think that's... I don't believe the Geo9L is connected yeah. with core motions. Okay, with thermal motion. Yeah, with thermal yeah. energy or thermal yeah. motion. Yeah. The, I mean, that's another thing I'd like to work on. But yeah, yeah. It's another bunch of people. To, yeah, another, another, another bunch of... Another unappreciative. Been, another community to alienate, potentially. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so, a bit of an iconoclast, yes. But the other problem <laughs> with the core, and this is very basic, you, the core is a two-phase system, solid yeah. and liquid. Yeah. Okay, so think of a beaker of water. Mm -hmm. If you put with ice and water, mm -hmm. if you put your blowtorch on it, the ice will melt, mm -hmm. but it will stay the same temperature. Yeah, yeah, it'll stay whatever that uh, melting temperature so is for a long time. So if you put a fan on it and cool it off, you'll freeze more, mm -hmm. and yeah. it stays the same temperature as long as you have ice and liquid water. Yeah, your system The temperature buffered. isn't changing, and you're not in, the the heat is buffered, so yeah. you're not. There's no thermal heat to drive the geodynamo yeah, because yeah, it's all, it's basically in, all at that temperature. Yeah, if, it, yeah. if a little heat, if heat's added, the, the outer core gets better. If heat's given away, the 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 uh, inner core gets bigger. But right. there's no there's no temperature change. Yeah, yeah. Is there any kind of chemical gradient then? Not to speak of. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah. I, I think. I think it's a whole different origin that hasn't been looked at. And mm. one of the things is there's a magnetic Bode's diagram. And the reason it's, it's it correlates the the uh, the uh, magnetic field with the energy of spin. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful correlation across the solar system, ignoring things that aren't really spinning like Venus and okay. um, Mercury. Yeah. But it's, there's a beautiful correlation, and it's called the magnetic Bode's diagram. Okay. Because it doesn't agree with the geodynamo idea. Okay. 
but I think that obviously the thing to look at yeah. is is there mechanical origination of the dynamo simply in spin? Yeah. Differential spin. Yeah. 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 Can you picture the inner core sitting there? I mean, who knows how fast it's spinning? We don't know directly. <laughs> and then the and then the mantle is sitting there. It's a rigid. And then there's a liquid outer core in between, and you've got that shear potentially if they're spinning at different rates. Yeah, they, they, they would be hard be hard pressed to measure it if the shear went gradually from the man, from the top of the outer core to the inner core. Yeah, if it's gradual. How are we going to see that in seismology? Right. Yeah. So I think that that's another research area to dig into. Yeah. 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 That is that is the difficulty. The, the deep earth is a fascinating place, but we have such indirect evidence about it. Yeah, we have seismology. We have no samples. Yeah, yeah, we can't go down there and grab something. No. Nope. The core, notwithstanding. Yeah. <laughs> that delightful movie that we bought out a row of and heckled back in graduate school. Oh yeah. It was oh. great. It was great. 